The John Morris Show, episode 135. The John Morris Show. Your life on code. Ladies and gentlemen, John Morris. Hey everybody, welcome back to The John Morris Show. John Morris online.com. Got a good show for you today. Going to get into how Chromebooks are about to tr- totally transform the laptop world, the PC computing world, and what that's going to mean for you. One, the lesson you can learn for, from that as a web developer, because there's a really big lesson in this that us as software engineers, as, as people making end products or technology products need to pay attention to. And something that I've been kind of trying to drive home in these podcasts and videos that I do. And I want to show you how Chromebooks are a really big example of this. And I can hear some of you chuckling already. So you will definitely want to stay tuned for this episode because you will be surprised at what is happening in that space. So there's a lesson there, but also what that's going to mean long term for us as web developers, web designers, because it is going to have an effect on our industry ultimately. So we're going to get into that today. Before I do that though, I uh want to dig back into the language holy wars a little bit here. You know, anytime I create a video or a podcast or or something related to whether or not uh, talking about PHP, whether or not it's still relevant, whether it's a dying language, I tend to get comments that linger on for months and months. Sometimes if the if the video is really popular, it can be for years where I, I will get people who, as I've said before, every week or so, I'll get someone who comes through and just kind of flames the comments uh, uh, talking about how stupid PHP is and this, that, and the other with really no evidence to back that up other than opinion. And sure enough, we've had that again. And so I want to address this again. These are arguments that you're going to hear. And I know some of you may be, I, I still get, I get honest, legitimate questions from people that are, are unsure of which side is correct. And so I want to make sure and address all these arguments so that you can see that the people making them on the other side tend not to operate based off of fact or, or stats or logic or anything. It's, it's primarily opinion. So, and, uh, this time I actually had somebody who 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 did my arguing for me, which I appreciate. So we'll get into that. So here was the comment that I got on a video over on YouTube. It's the one I did called Is PHP Dead? If you're listening on the podcast, you kind of got the full podcast version. But I also clipped that up and put it on YouTube, that uh, about a 10-minute segment of that. And so here was the 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 comment that I got. So it's a TIOPI index, which that's not the index, it's T-I-O-B-E index, and I think I said that about five times in the video, so interesting that they missed that, but T-I-O-P index, question mark, what is this rubbish? C is second, C++ is third, but C, lang- C language is more dead than Elvis, same for PHP, and C++ is, low pro- pro- is a low productivity language only used for performance in some very specific niches. It is common sense that PHP shouldn't be six, sixth, but 16th. So I'll get into what uh, someone responded to this, but I, I just want to, what makes it common sense? Because you and your little circle of, of people who, who love to hate on, on PHP think that? Is that what makes it common sense? What, what fact are you basing that off of? You're not basing off, obviously, off the TIOBE index because that's the thing you're saying is wrong. You're not basing off the PYPL, uh, PYPL index because PHP is actually ranked higher in that index. You're not basing it off of market share because PHP has a 82% market share of all websites. WordPress, a PHP-powered, uh, a PHP-powered tool or, or, or software is on 26% of all websites. So you're not basing it off of that. What exactly are you basing it off of that it's common sense that PHP shouldn't be 6th but 16th? Okay, so again, I mean, and we could get into the C and the C++ stuff too. There's definitely some stuff there, but I obviously know less about those because I primarily stick to web development and PHP programming and so forth. But 
again, there's nothing, there's no objective fact to point to. It's just, oh, it's common sense. Why is it common sense? Because you said it is. So this is the type of argument that you're going to get. And honestly, any argument that anybody makes, even me, if they make it in this fashion where they say, oh, it's just common sense, everybody knows, there's no question, but they don't provide you with any sort of fact or proof to go along with it, you should question that argument. So Tiago on YouTube kind of did my job for me. He responded to this comment saying, you know nothing of program programming as I see. C is not dead. Many of those languages are based on it and still used. PHP is used more than uh, used more than 40% of web pages. Again, looking at, you know, depending on what numbers you're looking at, uh, PHP has 82% of the market share for the, the server-side languages or the websites whose server-side languages we know. You know, when you get into all websites, whether we, it can get the, 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 the numbers are kind of back and forth, but Google estimates that it thinks about PHP runs on about 75% of all websites. So again, the, the numbers there, but it's a very, very large percentage, more than any other uh, language out there. Says C++ is the most used language for games, and to finish it off, there's a TIOB index uh, as is an indicator check which programming language is popular. And again, we went into the, in that episode that I did the differences between the different indexes and why I actually prefer the PYPL index in that PHP is ranked number three. That's not why I prefer it. It just seems like a better indicator because it actually tracks how many people are visiting the web pages, not just how many of those web pages exist. So here's the response. And this is the one that I really want you to pay attention to. This is the one that shows you that this argument, this person has no objective argument to make. So he responds to Tiago and says, no kid, I was programming when you were wearing a nappy back in the eighties. Okay. Means absolutely nothing. It's just an insult that means nothing. That's one indicator that maybe this person is just going off of their own opinion and emotion. Claiming that C was the base for other languages doesn't mean it's alive. There may be a point there. PHP is slow compared to pre-compiled languages and has serious limitations with multi-threading. So this is what I told you last time. See, they'll point out the problems with PHP. They'll say it's slow, has seriously serious limitations with multi-threading, all of which may be true. But what about the limitations of the language that you're talking about? You know, in fact, this person doesn't even really talk about what language they prefer, but guaranteed that language has serious limitations. One of the most likely ones is that it just does not have the, the same kind of business support that PHP does. That's a limitation. Whether you are like, oh, well, that's not about the link. It doesn't, that is a limitation of using it. And there's probably even things about the language itself, whatever it is, that has limitations. So they mention the limitations and the disadvantages of PHP, but no, no mention of the one that they happen to actually use and like. So he goes on to say what some big companies are using is not the standard open source PHP, but a tailored made version based off that. That is positioned as though it's uh, a critique. Actually, to me, that, that's, a, that's a sign of the, the advantage of PHP because why would companies go to the work of creating a, he's pretty much talking about Facebook and hip hop. Why would they go to the effort of doing that instead of just creating something from scratch or using one of these other ones that is apparently so much better than PHP? Why would they do that? Well, it comes down to the number of developers. I've read a little bit about this before with Facebook. And some of it comes down to the fact that it's just a lot easier to find PHP developers out there. And so there's a there's a lot larger labor pool for them to, to find PHP developers so they can bring in PHP developers. Those people can write PHP code and then they can do their compiling and their, their tweaking that they do with it uh, after that. So again, you know, and then there's some stuff to do with the business support and all that stuff. So again, it's to me, that speaks to the advantage of PHP. 
you know, and then you get into PHP seven and you get, you get some of the, the knock about being slow and so forth tends to go away a little bit. So he goes on to say, so unless you're going to rewrite the engine, PHP is obsolete again, based off what based off your opinion. So then he goes, your problem is that you're a fan and can't think objectively programming languages are just tools. They are useful until something better comes up and replaces them. I I agree that programming languages are just tools and they're the, they often are useful until something better comes up and replaces them. I'm waiting to see what has actually replaced it though. Now you again may think this language is better, this, that, the other, but my, my, my hunch is that, you know, you say this person is a fan and can't think objectively. I think you're a hater and can't think objectively either. I've I've personally have never said that PHP is the absolute greatest language ever. My point has always been that PHP is the most popular web backend web language currently. That if you're getting into web development and you want to get into something that has a large job market, has tons of, you know, tutorials and, and courses and, and, and support for you, you to be able to learn to quickly get into that industry, to, to have plenty of jobs to choose from and so forth, then, then PHP is, I, I don't think there's any argument, really. I mean, it's far and away the most popular backend web language out there. So, uh, again, yes, it's just a tool. Something could come along better and replace it, but I'm waiting for that to happen. And it doesn't make, I don't agree that it's common sense that PHP is this dead language. So again, the point being with all of this, if you, you look at the arguments here, there's really no reference to any sort of objective data. It's all just opinion insults. Oh, you're stupid. If you don't, uh, if you use PHP, if you think PHP is is not a, a dead language, then you're you're some idiot. Except that's all it is. It's insults, opinion, conjecture, speculation based off nothing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. No point to anything objective. And so again, when someone's that's their argument, that's the method they're using for for debating. That ought to be an indicator for those of you who are. Seriously concerned out there whether or not PHP is a dying language, these people are right. I will go back to my question that I've asked from the very beginning, based on what? And when you look at it, it's just based off of their opinion and their their wanting to rant and rave. And so these are the kind of geniuses, you know, these are the, I'm going to get into this when we get into the, talking about the Chromebook, but these are the kind of geniuses out there, quote unquote that you have to deal with in the web development community. These are the same kind of geniuses who in the the PHP community will tell you that it's all about talent, that you have to learn this massive set of skills in order to become a a real PHP developer, a real PHP coder, uh, that, you know, it, 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 there's, there's, all it is is about learning the language and being really great at the language and knowing all these obscure functions and these obscure <laughs> routines and how to do these little itty bitty things that you might use once in your career. And if you don't know how to do that, well, you're just an idiot. And if you've been with me on the show for long enough, you know that my approach is totally different. I'm about as learning the as little skills as possible, right? And it, it's about understanding strategy and how to apply those skills to a market. I'm much more concerned with the business side of things than I am the technical side of things. Because I think ultimately for your career, that's what's going to matter. Now, yes, you have to have technical skills. But I always try to think in terms of what is the least I have to know in order to be able to deliver, in order to be able to to take advantage of this opportunity. So... Again, if you've been with the show, you know I'm always looking at the landscape. My approach is to look at what's happening and look for the opportunities. I think timing is far more important than whether you know how to parse a multidimensional array and search for some term in it, right? I mean, yeah, that might be something you need to do at some point, but you can figure it out when you need to. But most developers are completely oblivious to what's actually happening in the landscape and and in the world that's going to affect them. 
And when something happens that has a huge effect on the market itself, that's going to sweep away. It doesn't matter what you what what you know this this you know little <laughs> this little skill or thing over here. Oh, you happen to spend three hours learning how to do this. That's not going to matter. You're going to get swept away if you're not paying attention. And so again, my approach is to focus more on strategy, you know, business career slash career strategy, focusing on trends, what's happening, where things are moving, and to understand when opportunities present themselves and the timing of taking advantage of them. That's why I always talk about focusing on end results. That's why I always talk about understanding the way that clients think. That's why I always talk about what's happening larger in the tech community and the tech and web development world so that you can pay attention to those things, see what's coming, understand when an opportunity is presenting itself and and know the right timing to take advantage of it. Think about if you, and this isn't directly related to PHP, but think about you know seeing responsive web design coming about six months before it was this huge thing that suddenly everybody wanted to do. Imagine creating a, a piece of software or a WordPress theme or you know a bootstrap template or whatever, or creating a course that taught it or providing some sort of service to people to create, turn their websites into it, etc. Seeing that coming about six months before it became this huge thing that everybody wanted to do. That's what I'm talking about. If you had seen that, you had created those things, you would have been positioned then to take serious advantage of that movement. Were you going to get every customer or client or, or student? No, but you could have got a ton of them and you could have made a ton of money doing that. Okay, so that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. These geniuses that go on and on and on and on about Oh, how PHP is dead. And it doesn't even matter the language. They'll tell you uh, PHP is dead. They'll tell you C or C++ is dead. They'll tell you everything's dead except the one thing that they use and like. Everything else is dead. These are the geniuses that you're dealing with. And most of them are completely oblivious to what's actually happening in the online world, the tech world, the web development world. And believe me, they will get swept away by this kind of stuff. They will completely miss it, and they'll consider to con- continue to stew in their basement, eating their their Cheetos, typing away with their orange fingers on their computer, calling you an idiot. Pay no attention. Continue to evaluate things for yourself. Hopefully, listen to the show and maybe get some tips, and and look at the landscape. Understand the importance of timing, the importance of seeing opportunities, of assessing the landscape, the importance of strategy. And then having the right set of skills to be able to take advantage of it. That, to me, is how you succeed. That's my approach to to my career and succeeding in web development. And the geniuses out there will, of course, rant and rave and tell you I'm an idiot for it. Until, of course, they actually try it and see what happens. Now, with all that said, as you might imagine, you know, I believe PHP is still a great opportunity for someone looking to get into the IT world, to get into the tech world, to transition out of some job that maybe you're working that isn't tech related at all, that you can't stand, you want to get into the IT field. I'm not saying you have to be a PHP coder forever. I'm not saying you can never learn Node.js. I'm not saying you can never learn Android or iOS development. I'm not saying that PHP might one day be dead. I'm not saying that won't happen. But what I'm in, am saying is that right now, September 12th, 2016, that is, is still a great opportunity, one of the best opportunities out there for you to get into the IT world and start working in this industry and then figure yourself out from there of exactly what you want to do. So the skills that you want to need to learn in order to do that, I believe are much, much smaller than most people think. And I believe that you can get started knowing just a base skills. And that's why I release my PHP 101 course. And that's why I make module one of that course available for just seven bucks. Because I think those are the foundational skills that you need in order to get going with PHP. Now, there's some more advanced stuff that you can learn. 
Yes, there's other modules in the courses that you can in the course that you can get access to. But I think the things that you need to get started, to get going and get into PHP and get into an IT career to be able to develop end results are very, very small. And so module one of my PHP 101 course is, is 11 lessons. By the end of it, you're going to learn how to build a contact form, which it, online forms are the basis for SurveyMonkey, which does about $1.35 billion a year in revenue. Uh, or no, they're valued at $1.35 billion. I think they do $113 in revenue. WooFoo Forms sold for $35 million. To SurveyMonkey, that's what they do is online forms. There's WordPress plugins that have hundreds of thousands of active installs and their contact form or form type plugins. So this kind of skill, this one single end result that you can deliver on is something that has a huge market out there. And there's companies looking for people that could do this. There's freelance clients for looking for people to do this. You can build WordPress plugins. You could build service. There's all sorts of services out there. A huge, huge opportunity in this one simple market. And you really only need a handful of skills to be able to do that. And so that's what module one is all about. You can learn more about it at johnmorrisonline.com slash PHP. Again, it's 11 quick lessons. You can get access for seven bucks and you can get started on your IT path, get into the IT industry and start mastering PHP. Again, johnmorrisonline.com slash PHP. All right, I got to take a break. Coming back, we're going to get into how Chromebooks are going to revolutionize the laptop industry and affect us as web designers and developers. And also the big lesson you're going to want to learn or that you can learn from what Chrome, the Chromebooks have been doing as a developer. All right, we'll get into that when we get back. You're listening to John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. You know, it's kind of funny. Every time someone uh, joins my email list, I ask them a very specific question. I ask them, what would you say if I could, if I told you I could teach you how to master PHP in the next few months? And I get a lot of interesting answers. Now, I get a lot of people who, you know, they say, sign me up. Where do I start? Let's do this, right? I get people who are a little more skeptical who say, um, it would depend on the details, you know, if it costs, what it costs, etc. And then I get people probably on the most skeptical end who are like, well, what does it exactly take to master PHP? And all these are really great questions. Now, let me ask you this, since you're here listening. What if I told you that you could get started learning everything that you need to know to master PHP, all the foundational skills that are necessary to move you out of maybe that job that you're working right now that you don't really like and just get yourself into an IT career. Oftentimes, people do it making more than they were making before. But even if you could just make the same and start doing it in an IT career as opposed to like I used to do, which was wearing my little chicken costume walling around in Greece all day cooking chicken. Imagine if you could learn what you needed to learn, get the foundational skills you needed to start that process all for just seven bucks. What would your answer be? I hope your answer would be a resounding yes, because I know I'm going to go all keep off my grass old man on you, but I remember what it was like when I was coming up and the option to get all of that training in one place simply didn't even exist at that time, unless you wanted to read through a 500-page PHP manual, which I didn't want to do. But today, not only is that option available, but it's only going to cost you 7 bucks to get started. So if you're someone who's serious about learning PHP, about making a career in the IT industry, about getting out of whatever you're doing now that you might hate, and getting into the tech industry, you don't have to be a PHP coder forever. That's the thing. You can, If you want to get into all the fancy new stuff, Node and Python, and well, Python's not new, but Django and all this other stuff, all these frameworks and everything that's out there, that's fine. But one of the fastest ways to get out of where you're at now and into a an IT career is through PHP because it's simply the most popular server-side backend language that you're going to find. 
the job opportunities are huge and there's companies that out there that are just starving for PHP developers. Clients out there starving for people who can create PHP applications. So again, if you're someone who's serious about making that happen, then I want to encourage you to head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash PHP. You can start taking module one of my PHP course for just seven bucks. So today, skip the latte from Starbucks, head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash PHP, and let's get started with your PHP career. Hey everybody, welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. This segment, I want to get into how Chromebooks are about to totally transform laptop design, mobile computing, PC computing, and affect web design, web development, and a lesson to learn from all of this. So this was sparked by an article that I read over on Wired, how Chromebooks are totally about to totally transform laptop design. And disclaimer, I've had a Chromebook since I didn't have the original Pixel, kind of the first beta version that rolled out. But uh, right shortly after that, really the first public release of the Chromebooks, I went and bought one because I've always been fairly integrated into Google's uh, ecosystem in terms of the, you know their email, their app stores, all of that. I've I've kind of been in that from the very beginning. And I wanted to see, I was excited about the the prospect of what a Chromebook could be. And so I wanted to see where it was at and so forth. And now, admittedly, when I first got one, it took me a little bit to kind of get my head around it. And I was initially a little bit disappointed uh, in the sense that, you know, it, the, the common the common uh, kind of critiques that the Chromebook gets about not having a bunch of apps, these apps not working and so forth. And I wasn't disappointed in the sense that I, I didn't know that that was going to be the case. I knew that going in, I, I was, I often invest in technology to see that I think has potential to see where it's at. I, one of the, one of the first people to get an Amazon echo uh, for example, and another of, other number of pieces of technology that I've been a kind of early adopter in because I want to see how it works. I want to see what the potential is here. And when I have some sort of hunch about it, I want to see if, if this thing actually lives up to it. And so I bought a Chromebook and it had a lot of the advantages that I was really after being really integrated with Google. All of my stuff uh, was consistent across devices. One of the great things about a Chromebook is I can set up and install a Chromebook and let's say, you know, I have it all set up in, in my account and let's say that I, you know, something happens, I lose it. Um, it gets broke, it gets water on it and it totally fritzes out. I can go buy a new Chromebook in log into my account and it will just immediately turn back into the Chromebook that I, that I had all the settings, everything. It just becomes exactly like what it was before. So it it syncs across all of the different devices that you have, which is, uh, for me, is very, very, very big advantage. In fact, I had it happen where uh, one of my kids spilled something on my one of my Chromebooks and it was ruined. And I went out that day and only had to spend a couple hundred bucks got a new Chromebook, logged in, and boom, I had my computer back and I didn't have to worry about anything. So very, very handy, but one of the, again, big problems was that it didn't have a ton of apps, especially at the beginning. It's gotten a lot better, but you know, there's a lot of things that I couldn't do on it. And so that obviously I, I've, I've experienced some of the the setbacks that people have when they use this, but I always... I always had this thought in my mind that having been around around technology as long as I have that if if the initial thing is good enough if it if it reaches a certain threshold has enough advantages to it that things will happen to to that if there's some some like serious limitations those things will be corrected and with the Chromebook when I used it I just always thought Look, this thing's eventually just going to run Android apps. There's no way that you're going to have this. I mean, this thing is great in a lot of ways. It meets the threshold in a lot of ways. But the biggest disadvantages, disadvantage that it has is it just doesn't have access to a lot of 
applications because of the way it's built you can't run windows or mac apps on or anything like that so it's just limited in in the the applications it has and i just always thought that's going to be solved with the app store and sure enough we're about uh, a few weeks away from chromebook the 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 play store being opened up publicly for chromebooks so i want to go into this because i want to talk about uh, some of the things that have happened with the Chromebooks and the time that I've been using it and what people have said and where things are now and so forth. And I want to draw out a lesson from that. And then I also want to talk a little bit about how this is going to affect you. So as I mentioned, you know, the, when Chromebooks first launched, some of the initial reviewers, you know, laptop magazine was one of them and had a fairly, uh, semi scathing review of the Chromebook and, it said, you know, among the things that you can't do, you can't see the system properties to see exactly what hardware the computer has. So if you need to know how much free space is left on the system's internal storage or what type of CPU you have, you're out of luck. Nor can you control the power settings. And they kind of went on and on of all these things that you couldn't do. Notebook review had a fairly scathing review that ended with, so it's just a web browser. And having used a Chromebook for as long as I have and having been around people and so forth, I know that there's millions and millions of other people who likely have that same thought. Oh, well, it's just a web browser. And I can probably, I can even hear some of you probably right now chuckling a little bit saying Chromebook, like that's just a web browser. Like, how's that gonna, how's that gonna do anything? And what I want to point out here is that as a developer, the one one of the things that you really have to be weary of is that people don't care. Regular people, they don't care about the same things that you do. So when Laptop Magazine does a review and says you can't see the system properties, you can't see exactly what hardware the computer has, can't see how much free space is left, can't see what type of C CPU you have, on and on and on and on. 99.9% .9 of people could care less about that stuff. I always, I give any, any sort of uh, technology or, or talking point like this or critique. I always give it the, my wife test <laughs> because my wife is not into technology really at all. She's an end user and outside of her work. I mean, the last time she's been on a desktop computer, uh, it's been years and years and years. She's used a laptop here and there, but everything that she does outside of that is on her phone. And she doesn't care about being able to see the hardware the computer has, what CPU it has, how much free space is left, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the geniuses will immediately go, well, they should. Everybody should care about that stuff. They don't. That's just the reality. They don't. They could care less. They care, they care about, does it work? Is it simple? Is it secure, etc. They don't care about any of that stuff. So when I see a review like this, I, I actually chuckle. And, you know, it was interesting actually coming from Mac people, because if you're a Windows user, you'll, you'll kind of obviously uh, knock on Mac people about not knowing much about computers. But when I walked in with my Chromebook, I, some of the people that I work with are kind of heavy, Mac and Apple fanboys, they would, that was exactly what they'd say. They would say, well, that, that doesn't have very much Ram, does it? Or it's just a browser. It can't, it can't do this or that or the other. And get into all this technical stuff. And I, I thought that was rich coming from, from Apple people. But at the end of the day, end users don't care. And so if you look what's happening now, right, for all those people that laughed at Chromebooks or still laughing right now, Chromebooks outsold Macs for the first time in the first quarter of 2016. I bet most of those people laughing didn't know that, that Chromebooks are actually selling incredibly well, so much so that they're selling more than Macs. And schools buy Chromebooks more than any, than all other devices combined. And so Google has been slowly among the kind of end user casual user base infiltrating you know just regular users infiltrating schools 
and now they're doing it in the enterprise world as well. And they have been making a push for, you know, if you've been in the enterprise enterprise industry, I remember being in the army doing this. I remember working in big corporations where you would have, you know, a lot of those might, a lot of those uh, uh, networks and those companies and so forth are probably, there's a lot probably still running Windows XP. And that's just the way it is because it's so hard to upgrade when you upgrade it. The cost is so huge. You know, there's, there's so many things you have to consider. You have to get, you know, you have to have all new software and so forth for an enterprise system. Chromebook solves a lot of that. There's no, you know, Chromebook nine and Chromebook 10 and Chromebook 11, etc. It automatically upgrades on its own. You know, obviously they're going to have enterprise stuff where you can, you know, you can trigger that kind of stuff across your network, but the the updates are much much easier. There's no having to get new apps. It just it eases all of that. The security is built right into it, so you don't then have to go out and get a bunch of antivirus software and or or where it's it makes it so much easier. Which is why schools are are doing it because they have less and less to manage because they're often as bad as the 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 corporate world in terms of getting their stuff up uh, upgraded, and so it it just it makes it way easier for these people that have to manage tons and tons of computers to be able to do so uh, without all of the headaches that they would normally have and without being constantly behind in terms of security and, and ability. The one knock has always been that you, there's just certain things that you can't run. For example, Photoshop, right? You can't, there's no way to run Photoshop on a Chromebook right now. Uh, Word, there's you, you have the Google stuff, but if you want actual Microsoft Word, there's no way to run Word right now on a Chromebook. You can use the Microsoft Online, etc., but there's really no native way to do it. But all of that is about to change with Chromebooks being able to run Android apps because that's going to bring millions and millions of apps that are available on the, the Android Play Store, the Google Play Store, now to Chromebook. And when that happens, and suddenly that knock is gone, and you see more and more people turning to Chromebook as what they're using, that's going to force the stragglers in terms of software makers to seriously consider making Chromebook apps. Because there's there's a Photoshop app for Android. So when that's available to Chromebook, you'll now be able to run Photoshop on your Chromebook. There's word apps that are available. There's, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that right now isn't on Chromebook that will suddenly be on it. And that's going to completely change uh, the laptop industry, the the personal computing industry. It's uh, suddenly people will be able to go from their phone to their laptop, which is almost a lot of people use. And to have the exact same apps and experience all synced together. You know, if you have Evernote on your phone and Evernote on your Chromebook, or you, know, you have Word on there on your phone, Word on your Chromebook, etc., all synced, all a very, very similar experience. And you'll be able to go from one to the other and, and not see uh, any sort of serious difference. And then you're going to have all the, the advantage that Chromebook has of syncing from device to device of not the updates and stuff not having to worry about all that stuff the the antivirus and the security being built in from the start of you know not having to worry about all the technical stuff all of that is already going to be now even more of an advantage because you have access to all of these different apps and so uh, again, it's about to change the way that that laptop computing, mobile computing is done when once this happens and these Android apps are available on Chromebooks. Now, I bring all of this up be, to 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 make the point, uh, to to draw out the lesson from all of this, because you know if you go back to the initial reviews, you go back to some of the the stuff that people said, all the things that I heard at the beginning with the Chromebooks, you know, several years ago when I first started using it. Some of the things that many of you are probably thinking now or were laughing about at the beginning of this. 
what it is is it's a misconception about the way the world actually works. Hey, you have to understand as a developer, people don't care about the same things that you do. They don't care about being able to see the system properties. They don't care about being able to see how much uh, or what kind of CPU they have on the computer. They don't care. They couldn't care less about any of that stuff. There's a small group of people who care about that stuff, but the majority of end users don't care about those things. And that's a lesson for several areas of your career as a web developer. First off, in the way that you go about working on your projects, right? The the end user is going to the the client that you're working with is going to care more about your communication with them and how well you communicate and how easy you are to work with than whether or not you properly commented line 37 of your code. But there's so many developers out there who think that how you comment line 37 of your code is more important than the way you communicate or how easy you are to work with. And so they'll get so hyper-focused on the only thing that matters is the code. If I just do really, really good code, then the client will see. The client will probably never see your code. And if they do, they won't understand what it means. And if they even get so far as to do all that, they're probably not going to care. They're certainly not going to care more than if you disappear for a couple days at a time and don't answer their emails or you're a pain in the butt to work with. So people do not care about the same things that you do as a developer. What they care about is, a Chromebook is a perfect example of this. They care more about simplicity than they do f necessarily fancy functionality. There, there's a balance there for sure. But oftentimes people will choose simplicity and ease of use over having this massive list of functionality. Again, that's a huge insight for the things that you're creating for clients, for end users, for a boss, whatever. It's also important to understand when marketing yourself as a freelancer, again, getting hired for a job, etc. Now, if you're interviewing with another developer, then sure, they're going to be a little more tech savvy and will probably care more about those things. If you're going to be working for another developer, then that makes sense. But if you're interviewing with a client who just wants you to build them a website or some sort of application, you have to understand they don't care about the same things as you do. They care about simplicity, security, reliability, design. Those are the things that matter to them. Now, the code plays a part in making that happen. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. You, as the developer, should still care about the code. You should still write good code, comment it correctly, so forth. But if that's what you're trying to sell to clients, you're going to get nowhere. Because they just don't care about those things. And again, these, these Chromebooks are a very, very good example of that. So, again, take the lesson from this, right? A lot of people laughed at, at Chromebooks when they first came out. A lot of people laughed at me when I bought one and started using it and to, see fair, to see where it was. But those people aren't laughing as much now because Chromebook understood what it was doing. It understood that at the end of the day, the normal average user doesn't care about all the stuff that these reviews and critiques and haters said. At the end of the day, what they care about is how quickly does my laptop start up when I hit the power button? How easy is it for me to get to my Facebook and my email? You know, do I have to worry about all this crazy stuff with and I've, I mean, most that's what baffles me. These reviews are saying, oh, you can't do all this stuff. When 99% of the people I interact with, that's what annoys them about their computers, that they have to worry about all this stuff. They don't want to have to think about it. So again, that's the lesson from this. 
You have to understand what clients actually care about. And they do not care about the same things that you care about or the or all the stuff that all these genius developers out there will tell you. That's what always gets me about the PHP debate, right? They'll go on and on. These geniuses will go on and on critiquing PHP for this, that, and the other, not realizing that the P actual end users deciding what language goes on their website or not. I mean, it's not us. The majority of websites aren't out there aren't our own sites from us developers. It's from other people who know nothing about code. They don't care about any of that stuff. So that being the critique just doesn't make sense to me. Again, we'll see how things go. It, it, that, that, that could mean something long term that eventually something comes along that is easier to use and has all these advantages etc but for right now it makes no sense to say php is dead and to critique it from that perspective it's it's, it's just as silly as those reviews knocking the chromebook saying you can't tell how much what or what type of cpu you have it makes no sense <laughs> end users don't care about that kind of stuff the last bit of this then is i think that the this whole Chromebook thing is is really going to have an effect on us as web designers and web developers because it's in it's an indication of some of what I've I've kind of talked about and why I've always been a little slow with Android and iOS development because I've always felt like there was going to be this kind of merging of mobile and kind of PC laptop slash desktop type computing. I've always felt that there was going to be, I mean, how long, we have Chromebooks right now, right? How long is it before we have our first desktop running Chrome OS after we get all these Android apps in and so forth? I mean, who knows? But how, 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 how really unreasonable is that to think? I mean, if, if my desktop could do everything, there's a limited number of things I need it to do right now. If it can do those things and I could do that through Chrome OS, I'd switch in a heartbeat because it's so much more. If you've never used Chrome OS, I really highly recommend it. It's, it's so much easier. You don't have all of the nonsense that you have running a Windows or a Mac. So... Again, I, I think there's, I've always thought that there was going to be this melding of the web and of mobile and these different technologies, and this is a sign of that. Now, I've, I initially felt that you would see more of the regular web, HTML and CSS and so forth, bleed over into mobile development, but the way that this is happening it seems like the mobile development is bleeding over into the PC type development because uh, you know you have Chrome actual actual Chrome web apps are developed a little bit differently than Android apps because they run on different architecture, right? And so the way that they're making this work is, you know, they're they're I think they're creating some sort of container that will then be able to run the the Android apps and so forth. I think that's going to continue to blend. And eventually, because mobile is such a big thing, and people yet people still want this integrated experience, we may see some sort of blend of technology, like language-wise, framework-wise. I don't think it's settled yet that now you can kind of develop in one language, and it's going to work on the desktop for a desktop app. It's going to work on the uh, on the laptop it's going to work on the phone it's going to work in the web etc exactly how all that shakes out i'm not sure yet but that is something for you to pay attention to as a web developer to see where this goes because users want a unified experience and i think end users ultimately drive where things go and so i think that's going to lead to a to a unified development type experience we're still fairly pieced out right now between the web, mobile, desktop, etc. But I, I just feel like that's going to continue to meld together and we're going to we're going to end up with some sort of semi-unified not just one language but languages that are more along those lines. 
Now that could be, again, that could be a lot of you saying, well, that's, that means PHP is going to be that very well could, but we have to see how that plays out and how that ultimately works out. So again, something to pay attention to there. All right, I'm going to leave it there for the show. I want to thank you again for listening. If you like the show, be sure to like it so that I know that you like this kind of content. If you do me a favor, I'd appreciate it if you'd share the show. I really want to take this approach to web development to as many people as I can because I really believe that there's so many developers out there that are misled, that they have this mindset of all this stuff that they have to learn and do in order to be able to get into an IT career. And they really feel stuck where they're at right now. And I really want to try and get this different voice, this kind of renegade voice that's going against the grain of what everybody else is telling them that actually actually happens to work really, really well to, to get people out of where they are and into the tech industry and into, into an IT career. I really want to get that to as many people as possible. I really want to kind of break through the noise and find those people and let them know that there's a different way that you can go about doing this. You don't have to listen to all those geniuses out there, all the little Einsteins that think they know best. There's another approach that you can take that that really does work well if you actually use it. And so again, I need your help in reaching those people. So if you know somebody out there who could really benefit from hearing this, then I I want to encourage you. I'd really, really appreciate if you'd share this uh, with them. The only way that I can grow this podcast and, and grow this kind of movement of, of this of this approach is is with your help. So again, if you know somebody who, who could use hearing this, please, please, please share it with them. I'd greatly appreciate it. Also, if you're new to the show and have not subscribed yet, then you can do so a number of different places on your iTunes or your Apple device at johnmorrisonline.com slash iTunes, on your Android device at johnmorrisonline.com slash Android, or on SoundCloud, which is available on desktop, it's available on Android, it's available on iOS, at johnmorrisonline.com slash SoundCloud. So any of those that you prefer, you can subscribe to the show so you get every episode delivered right to your device for you to play. I love listening to, to podcasts when I go on long drives. It's way better than music makes the time go much, much faster. So something you might consider if you have a, a decent commuter, a long drive coming up, maybe stack up some of the podcasts and listen to them as you drive. Makes things go a lot quicker. All right. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time.